Hello there, and welcome to the Messengers of Peace podcast. We're excited for this fourth episode. We're your hosts, Dacia Dillon. And I'm Eliezer Chavez. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're in your car, uh, in your house. Uh, we just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. And once again, we want to go ahead and share our vision with you all. And that is to provide helpful insight and resources for youth ministry for apostolic leaders, just like each and every one of you. One way you can support us is by leaving us a star rating or review from your listening platform. And uh, just help us share out this episode and help us get the word out about this great resource. We're so excited uh, to be with a great speaker today. We're going to be talking about generations in youth ministry and how uh, youth ministry has changed over time. And to join us today, we have a very special guest, and we're privileged and honored to be joined by Pastor Aaron Barbosa. He is the pastor of Apostolic Worship Epicenter in Baldwin Park, California. He is also the founder of the Minstrels Foundation. He is a husband, a, get this, father of eight. My God. And just a little fun fact, he has the ability to distinguish just about any cheese that you put right in front of him even if he's blindfolded. What a cool fact. I asked him if he's from Wisconsin. He said he no. wasn't. And we want to take the time to thank Pastor Aaron Barbosa for being with us today. Why don't you take a moment, greet our listeners, tell them a little bit about yourself. Hey, guys. Well, first of all, I am super grateful to be on this podcast. I'm very excited about this. I feel like, you know, a million percent honored that I am the first guy here that is not uh, in our MLP board. So thank you. Thank you so much. I give honor to our MLP board and all of our young people. What's up, everybody? Good to see you guys. Well, I can't see you, but hopefully you could imagine <laughs> that we are being seen by each other. Anyways, thank you guys for having me. Uh, my name's Aaron. I'm a father of eight, husband of one. And we had to mention that because I, <laughs> I did say like that people were like, wait, same wife. I'm like, yes, yeah, same wife. She's been good to me. My, my wife, Michelle's given me eight children by the grace of God. And um, anyways, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to dive into this content today. Amen. Speaking about children, let's go ahead and talk about generations. Yes. And so within apostolic generations, Pastor Aaron, we want to ask you, coming from many apostolic generations yourself, what a blessing and a privilege in itself. How was that experience for you? What was that like? (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So my grandpa, David Hernandez, that's my mom's dad. He was the pastor, God rest his soul, of FLC and Lifeline Ministries in Whittier, California. And they had a dynamic ministry. So that was crazy, right? It was amazing. And then on my dad's side, my grandpa Oscar Barbosa, Bishop Oscar Barbosa, I should say, um, from Santa Barbara, still pastoring today in his 80s. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So I have to say, to answer the question, how was that? It was amazing. It was so amazing. I have so many stories, literally, like, from each side of the family. I could tell you, like, the craziest stories of starting churches in a club in Mexico to uh, being threatened with death by people in my grandpa's uh, drug rehabilitation center. Wow. (laughs) Crazy stuff. Yeah. And then, of course, my father is the pastor at AWE Church. He's our senior pastor there, and I pastor under him. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, so, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy being a PK uh, and being, you know, in our family, third generation, apostolic, uh, it's been quite the ride. It's been incredible. 
so so you mentioned like coming from a lot of apostolic generations how, how do you think that's kind of shaped the way uh you are now in your position as a pastor oh yeah absolutely well i i have to say that in one sense i had to open my mind a little bit yeah you know because i'm from la and um you know when i was in stockton for example i felt like all there was to do over there was go to church so i felt like even the worldly people were holy Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> everybody knew, like, oh, you're from that church. Yeah, we know that church. It's the best thing in town, you know. Like, right. But then I came back, of course, from Bible college to back to Baldwin Park, and you know nobody cares. If you're if you're the pastor, they'll try to sell you drugs. Like, and it's really like that. Like wow. we have drug deals going on, like <laughs> in our alley during Christian school hours. Like it's wild. So, so it's I had to kind of get myself out of the bubble, if you will, um, of like, because okay. <sighs> I've been brought up, attended conventions, camps. You know what I mean? Like I've been in any activity. I've been. I was at the original NorCal Mass recording. Like I mean, wow. I was at like all of these events. So you have to understand, like it's a whole universe. You know how they say like the Marvel universe or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's an Apple universe, and wow. some people have not <laughs> grown up from there. Yes, <laughs> and we all think that everybody understands, mm -hmm. but not everybody understands. So. The initial way that it shaped my life was it was so big and so vast that it was like a little bit of a universe, you know? And I had to, like, when I went to college and stuff, I was like, oh, wow, people are different than us, and they do church different than us. Mm -hmm. And so it it did uh, shape the way I think about stuff. And I actually had to um, not unlearn, because I'm very grateful for what I know and what I've been brought up with, but I did have to... Uh, become more aware and more educated, you know, on like what do other people think about church and what they do. Now, this is very important. How I initially saw it, and I have to be completely honest. Can I, do we do honesty right here in this? Yeah, program? go okay. ahead. Of course. Okay. How I initially saw it is that everybody that was not apostolic, you are all going to hell. You know what I mean? Like that was the initial, that was my worldview. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you guys have nothing to show us. Like, apostolic apostolic and i would have all my people chanting with us right and oh what trinis go down like like you know what <laughs> i mean like we <laughs> like bro we're like it, i'm telling you the apostolic verse mm -hmm. you know or apple verse you know i'm gonna dub that and make a shirt the apple verse <laughs> but i started attending some leadership conferences that were like non-denominational or whatever or other denominations and i very quickly realized a few things N number one some of them think that we are a cult. <laughs> like, number one, I was like, I was, I remember I was in a bookstore and I was like, oh, this is a great Andy Stanley conference. Wow, <laughs> so good. Look at them. They have food trucks at their conference, right? I was all excited. I was yeah. like, yeah. And then I'm like going through the bookstore trying to find something for my wife, you know. Oh, this is great. And they're like, how to break free from cults. And I was like, hmm, interesting book. I open it up. Pentecostalism. And it's all Pentecostal. <laughs> no way. UPC. Yeah. Apostolic Assembly. I'm like, wait a second. Oh my goodness. Do you guys literally have a book on how to protect people from me? Wow. Like, you guys, come on, you know. And and I think that was a very um since that time, a very extreme view that I think some uh, people in other denominations have. But I did have to realize number one, not everybody thinks like me. And the other thing that I realized is I do actually Believe it or not, this is very difficult to do at first, especially if you're not mature in the Lord. But I did have something to learn. 
Yes. I did have some things being to learn. Being teachable. Yes, being teachable. And at first I was like, no, if you're not up to get out of here. Like, you know what I mean? That's right. You know, I grew up like, you know, I was very jealous and, and blue-blooded apostolic, you know what I mean? Um, and I still am, but yet there are some things that I've learned that I'm like, you know what? That would be wise to employ some of that. You know what I mean? Right. And um, and so, yeah, so it's shaped me, I, I think, and I think it has grounded me. Mm. It has grounded me because I do believe 100%. I do believe that I'm in the truth. Yes. I believe that with all my heart. Mm. Um, but I had to be able to like grow up, you know, get out of my Apple verse a little bit and be exposed and understand, Hey, look at, I'm not in the truth because my mom and her dad told me I'm in the truth. I'm in the truth because I had to see this for myself. I had to learn for myself. Yeah. I had to read for myself. Yeah. I had to study for myself and something that's not very common in, and I've learned this of course, through music and ministering at different denominational churches. I learned we have something very special. Yes. And uh, I don't know who this is going to get out to, so I don't want to be also um, in any way insulting to other organizations, even though they had a book about us. <laughs> you know? But, but, like, when I go over there, this is the, here's my big takeaway. I have something I can learn from there, and this, this isn't going to go over bad. Okay, here it goes. But they also have something they can learn from us. You know? And... To end this little moment, I would say this. What I've learned in interactions with people that are hungry for God, even from other denominations, is that when I take the time to learn something from them, and they're actually willing to be open-minded, because they are, there's something about your anointing. We have no idea what it is. Mm. I'm like, it's not a secret. I could talk to you about this. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And they're like, well, uh, you know, what is it about you, man? It's just, it's about you're called from God. I'm like, yeah, I'm called from God, but there's... Several hundred thousand of us, zillions maybe, yes. I don't know. I'm just saying like in my circle, you mm -hmm. know, like, and, and I realize that if we can be humble and we can be grounded, then I can learn from them. And I do believe that there's something that we need to be showing, something that we need to be demonstrating more specifically. Awesome. No, of course, you know, of course, growing up, there are things that we learn from our parents, from just being raised in church and being teachable. I think that's such yeah. an important factor. But then there's also things that you don't learn from others until you start getting your hands mm -hmm. dirty. And uh, you being an individual, Brother Aaron, that works with young people and you have this minstrels ministry, how would you say that youth ministry has changed throughout the years? And what was your experience working with young people in youth ministry? Wow. What a great question. What's the first part of the question again? <laughs> In what way has youth ministry okay. changed throughout the years? And maybe okay. you want to share a little bit about your background. Okay, I want to start that. with that. In what way has youth ministry changed throughout the years? In my experience, of course, because I'm sure other people have different right. perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think youth ministry has changed for the better. I think we're learning a lot. Um, like I was mentioning, you know, being exposed. I think one of the most incredible things uh, that happened, you know, when uh, Joshua, they were sending spies in to look at the land. And yeah. right, there was all this promise. And, you right. know, like one guy was like, oh, my God, there's this. The fruit over there is incredible. And the other guy's like, but there's giants. Yes. You know, there's two different perspectives. Wow. You know what I mean? 
And but the thing is, for them to be like privy to the next level, they had to expose themselves. Yes. And I think on the upside, we have been exposed to a lot of education. I think we've been exposed to process. I think it's been tremendous for us. Um, and on the downside, if I could say this, um, I think sometimes in some moments we've lost our way a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's easy to do when you're like 70 zillion units and three part-time jobs. You know what I mean? And I always urge young people, get your education. Please, we need you. Yeah. You know, do so that. Yeah. This is so important. But when you're done, my dad taught me this, when you're done with your degree, take it to the feet of Jesus and yes, submit it to God. So take it to the, and, and tell the Lord, God, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do with this? I think this is so huge. I think a lot of times education could be a doorway to take your energies and take your ministry like away from the church. And I'm like, no, 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 bring it back. Like back that up and like bring what you've learned like the way Moses did, right? He took all the amazing insights that he learned in Egypt. And what does he do? He's like, okay, at a certain point, now I'm going to dedicate what I have to the Lord and to my people. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of us, like we learn something, we're like, whoa, other people take, you know, take notice of me. Whether it be music, whether it be like, they did, wow, look at us. You know, we did it. And then like they start kind of finding their way out, almost like an ed exit strategy. And I don't think that education should ever be an exit strategy. I think education should be edification strategy, building strategy for the church, for the kingdom, you know? And so I think we've changed in some ways for the better, of course, because now we're becoming more educated. We're becoming more tech savvy, thank God. <laughs> you know, there's some things that are changing. But I think also on the downside, we have to bring it back. Like we really need to reel it back in and be like, yo, what is my life going to say when God asks me, when I stand before him, what is my life going to say that I did for God? Because only what you do for Christ is going to matter. Right. Brother Aaron, you mentioned one of the ways that you feel youth ministry has changed is through process. Yeah. Can you bring a little bit more awareness as far as what you mean by process? Yeah, so I'll give, I'm like the guy from uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where he only has like fishing metaphors. Well, I only have musical metaphors. Okay. <laughs> okay, so because I've been a musician all my life, and that's been most of my exposure mm. to young people. And of course, Minstrel Foundation is a music school. So mostly for the most part. Um, for example, when I was a young person, let's talk a little bit about like liturgy, okay. right? Which is the process of how we do services, right? Mm -hmm. When I was a young person, it was the minister is going to do the MC, whether he sings or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Remember Does he that. sing? We don't know, but he's a minister, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. This is so funny to me. I'm sorry that this tickles me. So, okay. So it was like, it was just like, Hey, you know, he's a minister. He leads. The other thing is the church that I grew up in always had a Dorcas special, uh, a Varones special, a, a youth special and a um, Ministerio Infantil, like, children's like <laughs> you know what i mean like it had like everybody had their special songs and everybody had their special clothes and it definitely did look something like something out of a movie or something like that you know it, it, it was it was beautiful for the time mm -hmm. that time was beautiful but 
I think somebody decided one day, hey, do you think maybe, you know, the MC should sing? You know, or do you think maybe we should have somebody that can sing in the church lead the song? You know, these, and you have to understand, it's these leading questions that do the most good, I think. You know, especially when you're in a multitude of counselors as the Bible instructs us to be mm-hmm. in. And you're under the the auspices or the, you know, authority of your pastor. This is when all this becomes good and it becomes safe, you know what I mean? Of course, in time, I know like one church, I remember the brother was giving the testimony that he became the pastor and the next week he decided he was going to move the piano to the left side of the church, I guess, whatever. And like half the church left. Oh wow. <laughs> because they were used to it being that way all of their... I think that speaks volumes for the greater picture. Yes, it really does. So, so yeah, so I think that now we don't do things like that, you know. Um, our processes for doing worship have changed. In fact, this year, by the grace of God, I have no idea why, but I'm playing the organ, right, for the youth convention, which is strange because I'm not a youth. Um, but... I'm grateful, but I'm learning something that I'd never learned. Even their processes have improved from when I was the music director at conventions. Because I was music director for conventions, or at least a musician, since Brother uh, Bishop, President Baldemar was the president. Do you guys even know who that is? Yeah. Okay, just double-checking with everybody. I actually don't. Okay, (laughs) awesome. That's how old I am, okay? So I was like, I was at his funeral, and I was able to play, and it was really nice, and they played a video of him as the president. I was like, Wait a second. Who's that skinny guy? It was me. Wow. I was like 16 years old, right? But from that time even to like this time, it's so much has improved. Like even today, um, we were in rehearsal at, at 2 o'clock. And, um, you know, I had my headphones on. And Brother Mike, who is the MD, who is nowhere to be found on stage, we just hear his voice. He's like, okay, praise team, step up. Well, and they all stepped up, and I'm like, Mike, like I looked up to heaven, like is that the voice of God? The voice of God, you know, and everybody, like, and and he's like orchestrating things and using in your monitor systems to really make sure that everything's organized and to let us know, hey, uh, preacher so and so wants to come up and say something, so that we don't like clash. And you see what I'm saying? So even processes and liturgy have improved immensely from when I was younger, which was like, well, that's the minister, so he's in the lead and. And and all these different auxiliary departments are going to have their song, like it's wow. Yeah, and I, I like how you mentioned that processes have changed like throughout generations. Yeah, and I think that I think also the needs of generations have changed. Oh my God, yes. Like, I remember. I, I'm pretty sure, like in uh, past youth camps, it, it, altar call was like bring your worldly movies to the altar, yeah. <laughs> or if you watch Disney, like you need to come repent. Right. But, but these days, it's like uh, I'm dealing with my mental health. Wow. Or it's, it's uh, you know, we're tackling subjects like uh, is gender fluid. You know, all these wow. subjects that, that yes. the past generations, they didn't have to deal with. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that, Pastor? Aye, aye, aye. In some ways, it's sad because sin grows. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it, um, I remember, I don't know if you guys remember um, evangelist Carlos Ceniceros. And he was one of the evangelists in my time. And uh, one time I confessed to him my sins at a youth camp. Mm. And he had a knack for doing this, getting people to confess because, well, you would just have to know him. And he's, like, really good at getting people. Like, he didn't make them, but just, like, he was so transparent. Mm. And he would tell stories of how he helped young people, yeah. like, with sin. 
And so I was like, well, shoot, I got to talk to him, you know. And so I went and talked to him. I was like, hey, Sandy Soto's blah, blah, blah. You know, I, if I was a slightly funnier than I am now, I would tell you what I told him. But <laughs> I'm going to just keep it between me and God, right? So I told him. I was like, Santa Cero's, blah, blah, blah. I've been struggling, you know. And I told him, I've been struggling, Santa Cero's. Like, can you pray for me? And I was a young man. I was unmarried. And, I mean, bro, like, he helped me so much. And this is what he told me. He said, you know, Brother Barbosa? That's his voice. <laughs> He's like that. He's like an Ocholo. I loved him. He goes, you know, Brother Barbosa? He says, um, I can't tell you actually what he said because it was kind of for men only. Mm-hmm. And he says, but this is what he said. He says, sin is never satisfied, but always graduates. Wow. And I was God, like, oh, my God. He just literally, like, told me, like, my whole problem. Wow. He's like, sin is never satisfied. So if I were you, mijo, do what I did when I first came to Jesus. I said, what is that sin? He said, what did you do? He said, I fasted two days a week. I fasted to the Lord, and I prayed, and, and, and. After that, after a few months, God delivered me. I would suggest that you do the same thing, mijo. Mm. I was like, okay, okay. So I'm not going to go to hell. No, 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 no. You're not going to go to hell. Mm. We all have problems. And he, he really encouraged me. Yeah. But the point is that word right there, how sin graduates. Sin never satisfies, but sin always graduates. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And I, and I think that if I had to answer that question honestly, it's a little sad because... I kind of wish somebody was going to come and say, oh, Pastor Aaron, I've been watching Disney. Like, how cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how cute a sin is that now? Wow, yeah. You're like, now it's like, geez Louise. Like, I mean, my heart is broken sometimes with the yeah. things that young people talk to me about. And I feel sad. And we have to respond to it. We can't live in the past. We have to, we have to deal with we what's going to on today. It. Yeah. But if you were to ask me what I really think about it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's sad, you know, the times that we're living in. People really need Jesus now. I can't end it on a sad note. I have to say, the Bible teaches us, we're sin abounded. Grace, much more. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? That today, the grace of God is even greater right? than it was like even what I experienced back then. So, you know, maybe I needed sin to overcome, uh, um, you know, whatever my little problem was, watching uh, too much Disney Channel or something, I don't know. And now people might need it more like for the things that you're saying. Mm-hmm. But either way, God can handle it. Yes, and you talking about sin and how that's something that always graduates. And, is it, you know, unfortunately, as the time of the Lord comes near, it's something that oh, yeah. it's not going to decrease. It's only going to increase. So how important is it, Brother Aaron, in the times that we are living in and the way that the world is shaping and evolving, how should the church respond in this time? Oh, my. Funny, I've preached so much on this. Um, How should we respond? What a great question. I think we need to respond like Jesus did, you know. People used to get, you know, get, like, angry with him because he would hang out with sinners that were considered notorious. In other words, they were well-known for being really bad people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I mean, imagine that, you know. And, um... And Jesus, he would sit with them, which in that time would mean that he had fellowship with them. Like, in other words, you're okay with me to sit down. Like, come sit down with me. Right. But what I love about Jesus is that even though he dealt with people that were, say, really far out there for the time that they were living in, 
Um, he never did what they did. He never became what they became. That's key. He he influenced them. Yeah. And of course, the Bible teaches us to be salt. In other words, we're supposed to be the influence. And I think that you, some people have asked me, how do I know I'm ready to help this person? And the answer is really simple. Are you the influencer? Wow. Or are you being influenced? So good. If you're being influenced, then maybe it's time to, you know, maybe bring somebody stronger in or um, connect them to somebody strong in your church or invite them to a small group where you're not at it alone. In fact, that'd probably be the best advice I can give. Don't do it alone. You know what I mean? But I would definitely say that the way we deal with sin should be like Jesus did. He was, man, he was so humble. He received people, the worst kind of people, you know, but it never changed him. He always changed them. Yeah, and I think that's that's so important, you know, ministering to those people. And I think most importantly also having the anointing, because the Bible says that the Man. true anointing breaks the yoke. Come on, bro. Amen. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's right. You know, uh, I, I know you've you've probably preached from 2 Kings chapter 13, uh, when the prophet Elisha, he tells, he tells the young man to shoot the arrow, right? And to strike the ground. Right. But he only strikes it three times. And the Bible says that Elisha became angry. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the way that things have been done in the past, you know, is that, does that equal principle or? Mm, what a great question. Um, I think that the way things have been done in the past have to be appreciated and they have to be respected. Yes. You know, um, my dad told me something that really put it into perspective. Um, he started talking to me, geez, I can't remember how many years ago, but I've been his co-pastor uh, for uh, almost 18 years now. Wow. And, uh, and I know I look only 23 years old, but no. <laughs> no, but I've been his co-pastor, you know, for since I was 22 years old. I'm 40 now. And uh, he told me something one day. Uh, I think it was about, I want to say about 10 years ago. He said, hey, um, I want you to know that I want you to be the pastor of this church. And uh, I believe that God is calling you, and I want you to mm -hmm. receive God's calling in your life. I know you have music, and I know you have all this stuff, but I want to, you know, basically encourage you to accept the calling of God on your life to be the pastor mm -hmm. for this church. It's not going to happen right away. Uh, I'm going to train you. He told me, I'm going to train you. I'm going to, you know, uh, have transition meetings with you and teach you all the things that I know about pastorship, and you're going to be ready to go when it's time, because I was really afraid at first. When he told me that, I was like, oh, no, you don't want me, you know. And he said, no, I'm going to train you, and you're going to be ready to go when it's time. And so one day he gave me this word to answer your question. Um, he said, your grandfather, who was the original pastor of the church, he said, your grandfather, he, just think about it like, you know, how we have all these roads. But before this, he said, it was just all orange fields and blah, blah, blah. He said, picture it like this. Your grandfather cleared the debris. He did, his generation did the work of clearing out yes. all the rocks and the boulders and the trees he made a way my generation we paved the roads mm. that's what we did he said now your generation is going to come and you're going to drive on the road you're going to be you know the one to to actually do these things it's going to be like a he said he gave a bunch of analogies one time he told me i was going to be like an airplane with like a with a long runway he said <laughs> yeah you know and that's how i see it i see i think every generation makes their contribution and only ungrateful, not ready to receive people would like talk down on that. 
and disrespect that. Um, now that I've had the opportunity to start making my own contribution, it is only now that I'm like, oh my God, my dad is such a beast. You know what I mean? Yes. And then my grandpa, oh my God, grandpa. I mean, I know you still let your ministers lead the MC, but oh my God, what a beast. <laughs> what an incredible preaching machine. Wow. Soul winning machine. Let me give you one example, my grandpa. My grandpa Oscar, they were doing baptisms, okay, in Cihuatanejo, Guerrero. And they were doing baptisms, and the whole church comes out because it's to the lake, right, or to the, the whatever the water is at the body of water. The kids are playing while well, one of the kids drowned during the baptisms oh. and died oh my during the middle of the baptism. Because you have to understand, they're baptizing 70 or 80 people. Wow. So there's tons of people, their kids playing, having a good time while the people are getting baptized, right? I mean, I know shouldn't do it. But that's what they're doing. I mean, it's a large body of water. And they brought them, they brought him to my grandpa in the middle of his baptisms. They said, you know, Pastor, oh my God, my son, you know, the sister. And my grandpa started crying, God, no, no, God. This can't happen. Not today. The kid's dead. Wow. And so the, and he said he raised them up. He said, God, in the name of Jesus, bring life into this little boy's body. He cannot die today. And he, and he, and he was just, he was dead. And all the people started murmuring and crying. And, oh, my God. And, and, and my grandpa said, God, no way. And he lifted him. He said he lifted him up as high as he could in the air. He said, I rebuke the spirit of death in the name of Jesus. Come out. And he said, Lord, breathe life in this kid. And the kid spit up right there in, the, in, his, like, in his hands. Praise God. And he wow. gave so him back powerful. to his mom. And they kept on doing the baptism. And more people got baptized. Wow. Bro, my grandpa is amazing. An amazing man of God. But, like, I, don't, I hate the way he does his sound and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so I can't be a dummy and be like, well, you're irrelevant, grandpa, because the sound, you know, like. No, I have to respect what he did. Our church wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for him. So true. My dad wouldn't be the pastor if it wasn't for my grandpa. And then, of course, I have so much to say about my father. I mean, where in the world would I poss could I possibly be without my dad and my mom, of course? And so, for me, I think that the way, as far as generationally, we need to remember that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of grandpas, right? The God of grandmas, the God of dads and moms, but the God of the children as well. And he wants to be identified. He would always tell them, I am the God yeah. of Abraham, Isaac. And he wanted to be identified as a generational God. Yes. You know, and us, we want to be identified as a youth, like a, a, he's a youth God. Yeah. Like, no, he's not a youth God only. He's God of everything. He's God of every generation. I think that's what we need to remember. And if we do that, we will have the wisdom of the grandparents, the access of the fathers, and the strength of the sons and daughters. Wow, such a powerful reminder. And I've I've always mentioned that God is a generational God. Come on, sis. He's not just someone that impacts in the moment, but mm. those everlasting impacts that he leaves when mm -hmm. he just he just makes his mark. And you know, isn't it just so beautiful to see how the seeds of our forefathers, we are now living in the harvest of yes. it. We oh have my. to remember that. Such a simple but powerful reminder, Pastor Aaron. And as we get ready to go ahead and wrap up this amazing episode, we want to ask you in your experience in ministry, in leadership and pastorship, any piece of advice for young people to remain firm and stand in their apostolic identity during times like these? Wow. What a great question. 
if you were to just to ask me to remain firm and stand, I would have one answer. But as you put it through that filter of apostolic identity, oh man, that's that's a great question because I believe that even though um, music has opened up different doors for me to minister in different ways and things like that, um, I am 100% uh, grateful and thankful and happy, actually, for what it's worth, <laughs> to be who I am, to be brought up in our church, you know, our church, you know. And um, for me, like, I mean, I wouldn't change change anything as far as, you know, the experiences that we've had and, and the word and the power that we've grown up with, the demonstration. Yeah. I mean, right. literally, my friends, there's I've, I've never seen anything like it before. I've never encountered it. Now, I haven't been in every place in the world, but every place that I've ever encountered um, within an eight-mile, or I should say an eight-hour drive radius, <laughs> like, <laughs> we are so blessed to have what we have. Um, and so I would tell young people to stay serving. You know, I always say that, um, Jesus saved my soul and music ministry saved my life, you know, because I think if it wasn't for that, I had a ministry to go to in some seasons of my life. I, I don't know if I would be in the Lord, you know, I think there was many seasons where, the enemy had it out for me, and I think I was really close to giving up, you know. And um, but I was like, I would be like, I would kind of sigh and be like, I can't just leave my dad like that, you know. And I would be like, be like, okay, I better, I better repent, man, and go back to church. You know what I mean? Like, um, and service always kept me close to the house of God, and the house of God always kept me close to the presence of God. And um, I think that's probably why I'm here today. If I have any secret sauce, it would be saying yes to God over and over again. It would be that I just keep on telling God, yeah, Lord, I'll do it. I don't think I'm the guy for you. I don't think I'm your guy, but I'm down. I'll do whatever you want me to do, you know. And that has opened up just so many doors. Like, I'm still mind blown all the time at the things that God has done. And so I would always encourage young people, those two things, you know, service, you know. Stay close to God in service. And then, you know, you do that, God's going to just open up all kinds of doors. I mean, I'm telling you, I am, and I really mean this, and I don't think anybody would disagree, but I'm really nothing special. Um, I think if you look at me, I'm kind of like Leah in the Bible. <laughs> the Bible said that her man looked at her with a funny eye. Because <laughs> that means that you had to look at her sideways to like really think she was cute. <laughs> But Leah was loved because of what she produced. Yes. You know? And I think that I'm loved because of what I produce. I think if God didn't give me the children, quote unquote, that he's given me, I don't think anybody would think a thing of me. They'd be like, oh, look at a cool little fat guy. You know? <laughs> you know? That's what they would probably think. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's cool. The guy's cool. He eats a lot of cool food. You know? Good posts on food, man. That's what they would think of me, you know? But because of what God has given me, the children, if you will, the fruit, if you will, quote unquote, that God has given me, um, I think if I had anything special, it literally is what God has given me. So I would tell young people, the Holy Spirit, God, service, staying close to God, staying in doctrine, staying in the word, like all this stuff that I'm talking about, 
like this produces fruit in your life and fruit makes ordinary people extraordinary yeah yeah i think you know you mentioned ha- having an experience with god having staying in the presence of god the power of the holy mm. spirit you know when the disciples came out of the upper room they came out with power yes they may not have had Man. a program come on you know and how many how many times is it that we we come out of a meeting and we come out with a program but we don't have no power come on bro amen and and you know when we read in second kings where elisha told him you know shoot the arrow you know, the arrows might be different. TF10, he said, the arrows might be different, but the bow is the same. The doctrine is the same. You know, Come staying on, in fun. holiness. Holiness is not outdated. No. Preaching the oneness of God. No, know, sir. What, what, do you, what, what would you say to that, Laren? I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, that's all I can say. I totally agree with that. I think that a lot of times, if we're not careful, uh, we think that because some of our methods could be mm. updated, that everything else, I'll just... Throw out the baby with the bathwater. I think it's a huge mistake. And here's the other thing. I want to tell some young person out there. If you don't stay here, who's going to bring the change that you're craving? Wow. The change that you feel that God is, you know, oh, man, we need this change in our church and we need God. Like, who's going to do it? Right. If everybody bounces. Like, no, you need to stay where God has planted you. Um, there's a story in the Bible, um, Shema. And he's counted as one of David's mighty warriors, right? And all these other guys, like, there was one guy slayed so many people that his, you know, his hand was fused to his sword. But Shema is named as one of David's mighty men for guarding a field of beans. And most people would be like, who cares? But he said, because the king has assigned me to this, even though it's just a field of beans, I'm going to stay and defend it. And even when other people didn't see the value in it, you can read that scripture. It says they retreated. He stood there, and that's why he was counted one of the mighty men of David because he stood and defended something just at the word of the king. And, and I would definitely tell somebody, if, if the king, if God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, if he assigned you to something, defend that even if you consider it just filled with beans. You have no idea what God will do with that property or that space in your life. Thank you for sharing that, Pastor. And, and I think, you know, just to sum it up, you mentioned how, yes, there are definitely some methods that are changing as generations are progressing and as generations' needs become different. But there are definitely some things that you just don't touch with a 10-foot pole. So good. You don't touch our apostolic identity. Amen. The Word of God. Come on. The power of the Holy Ghost Come doesn't on. change. Nope. And uh, holiness, yes. that doesn't change. Nope. And so because it all draws back to the characteristic and the character of God. And so thank you for sharing that. And as we get ready to wrap up this episode, we want to ask you, Pastor Aaron, a little bit of a joking around question here, uh-huh. you being someone that has worked so many years in ministry, what has been one of the most humorous or interesting experiences that you have had working with young people in general? Oh, my God. If I had a quarter for every time something funny happened <laughs> with the young people. See, some of the things I can't tell you because these young people, they love me and they're going to be sad if I tell you their story. (laughs) Okay, one in particular was about me and this happened to me. I think the Lord was dealing with me on pride issues. And so um, my dad bought me a brand new, back then it was brand new, a Motif 6. Mm. And all the keyboardists that know the original Motif, well, I had like serial number 2024 or something like that. Like super brand new. It just came out, right? And um, I was up there, and Pastor Ron Fernandez, now from Texas, 
back then he was from this. It was his church actually, West Whittier. And um, I was playing the piano, and he was picking up the offering at the end. He's all, uh, you know, Brother Barbosa, stop playing right now. I need to tell these young people, you know, that they need to be giving the offering, blah, 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 right? So I was like, oh, okay. So I stopped playing, right? So he kept on going on. And, you know, we, you know, Brother Ron, he could talk, you know? And um, it was a good, I don't know, eight to ten minutes. And I thought, maybe he's like my dad, because my dad wants me to help him to close it down. He tells me, hey, if I'm going long, just come over, you know, come up play the piano for me mm-hmm. and then i know that it's you know it's kind of like my cue to stop right so i thought well maybe he needs my help <laughs> so i touched the piano right and i'm like i'm gonna, I'm gonna help him i kid you not man it must have been like the angel of the lord i touched the piano and i was at the top of the stage and i don't know how like it was like the stage was like 20 feet in the air right and I touch the piano, and somehow the piano falls from the oh, stand. Oh, my goodness. And not only did it fall, that would have been great if it would have fell. But it goes, and it goes all the way down the stairs, and it remains plugged in. <laughs> so you can hear all the piano notes going, like, all the way down the stairs. And then Pastor Ron looks at me. He's all, brother, I told you not to play anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh. And I wasn't even dating anybody. I couldn't find a girlfriend for, like, two years after that. It was... That's hilarious. <laughs> Bro, it was the worst. My piano got ruined. I got no girlfriend for two years. And I got embarrassed in front of the whole district. It was awesome. Man, yeah. That's a that's a funny experience. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a humbling experience. It was a humbling experience, bro. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Aaron, for, yeah, for being with us today. We uh, really enjoyed this episode. A couple of announcements before we end. So we have April NY is coming up. And Northeast NYA, April 15th through the 16th in New York, New York. What? Rockies NYA, April 29th to the 30th in Denver, Colorado. Make sure to go to your local NYA, get your blessing, and get a word. Awesome. And thank you so much once again to all our listeners for tuning in. Keep a lookout for our next episode that is released every first Tuesday of every month. You all be blessed and have a great one.